Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. You know, in days gone by, you could walk into most shops and be greeted with the words, What can I do for you? Not so much nowadays, I'm afraid. It's perhaps appropriate for a shop assistant to ask a client this, but what if you believed that God was saying this to you? Well, perhaps for people in the prosperity cults and sects, this would be just what they expect God to say to them. Although, of course, they would not admit this, their religious experience and expectations are actually built around the underlying assumption that God is a supplier of goods and services to those who demand it. You know, there's several jokes have God as some sort of divine genie, so I might as well add one more to the pile. So this is an old joke, but it has an essential message, and that is we should be careful what we wish for. It goes like this. A married couple, both in their early 60s, are walking on a beach when they spot a Persian lamp that's been washed up. The man picks it up and gives it a tentative rub, and to his amazement, a genie immediately appears and asks, What can I do for you? The wife says, Oh, a gold and diamond necklace, please, and it appears around her neck. The man thinks a little, says to his wife, Sorry, darling, and then turns to the genie and says, I would like to be married to a woman 30 years younger than myself, and behold, in the twinkle of an eye, he is suddenly 90 years old. (laughs) Most Christians doubt that God would ever ask what he could do for them. Quite to the contrary, we've all been accustomed to the idea that we should be asking God what we can do for him. See, surely the lesser should seek to serve the greater. And in his inaugural speech, John F. Kennedy expressed this idea well when he intoned, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And ever since then, church pastors regularly exhort church members to have the same attitude towards their churches. So we are kind of programmed to think this way. Of course, this is good and a biblical attitude because surely we are called to be givers and not takers and ones who serve rather than being served. A central concept of Christianity is love and love is best expressed as unmerited self-giving. However, I can immediately recall two instances in Scripture where God did ask somebody what he, God, could do for them. The clearest Old Testament example is in 2 Chronicles 1, 7-12, where God addresses the young king of Israel as follows. He says, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon answered God, You have shown me kindness, great kindness, to David my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord, let your promise to my father David be confirmed. For you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, Since this is your heart's desire, and you have not asked for wealth, riches, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people, over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you, and I will also give you wealth, riches, honor, and such as no king 
who was before you has ever had and none after you will have. And I've quoted this whole passage just so that the name it and claim it boys don't try and appropriate this as a proof text for materialistic doctrine. But in addition to God's response to Solomon's request, it reveals quite a bit concerning how we could approach such an offer. Interestingly, God gave Solomon both wisdom and riches, but only because he chose wisdom to serve his people over the ability to enrich himself. The point over that I'm making in, in this little talk is that God actually asked him what he wanted. Now, the seven, second example of God asking somebody this question, what can I do for you, is from the New Testament in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 51. Here the Lord Jesus, who of course is God incarnate, called a blind beggar over to him. What do you want me to do for you? He says, you know, it sounds like a strange question because, hey, the man was obviously blind. However, again, the point is, God is asking him what he could do for him. You know, for most of us, the idea that God would want to serve us is unsettling and sort of subtly offensive. Ever since becoming Christians, we have been taught to serve God and others, and although we may struggle to comply, we kind of take pride in the fact that we subscribe to this outward life orientation. And I suspect that any offense we may feel is probably because serving God gives us a, a certain meaning to life and a status in our Christian community. Surely God needs us to get things done for him, doesn't he? Well, no, he doesn't. If he wanted to, he could send an angel to do what he needs done, or even just declare to be, and it would be done. I think that the reason that God gives us ministries and missions, you know, things to do on his behalf, is so that we can grow in character and responsibility. I've long believed that the divine purpose for all of us is that we come to know him, become like Jesus, and help others to do likewise. Serving God and others facilitates this. And it prepares us for eternity. Now, notwithstanding all this, how would you respond if you believed that God was saying to you, my son, my daughter, what can I do for you? Well, in the late 2014, I read a book by a Christian country and Western musician by the name of Doyle Dykes, where he recalls the time when he experienced God asking what he could do for him. As I was reading this, I remembered how many years before God had said the same thing to me. It was at the end of a year, and I was seeking some direction from the Lord as to what my goals and plans should be for the year ahead. And I asked, What do you want me to do for you, Lord? And I remember the surprising reaction I received. It, is, it was as if God was sort of chuckling gently, and then his words flooded my mind. My son, the question you should be asking is what you would like me to do for you. It unsettled me. It made me wonder if I was hearing from God at all. I didn't know what to do with this strange offer. So I just wrote it into my journal and I left it there and rushed off in a flurry of busy planning and doing. Now the decades have rolled by and I'm a 74-year-old retired pastor and unemployed theologian and it seems that the Lord is asking me this question again. A few days ago, I received a note from my son that read, At this stage of your life, Jesus might be asking you 
What do you want me to do for you? Once again, I just do not know how to respond. But this time, I am pondering on it. And this article, this talk, is a part of my attempt to process this. But it's also an invitation for you to consider how you would maybe respond. I see two main obstacles confronting me in responding. One is my mental programming over many years that asking to receive from myself is somehow unworthy. <laughs> However, how many times did Jesus encourage his followers to ask? Many times. Ask, it will be given you. Matthew 7, 7. If then, though you are evil now to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? That's verses 11 and 12. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. John 14, 14, and so on, and so on. And yes, I know there are conditions involved and provisors implied and all that. But hey, you know, we even have a word for asking God. It's called petition. But my second obstacle is that I just do not know what to ask for. If I'm going to take the matter seriously and reverently, then I need to be convinced of the worth and merit of my request. In any event, God has been very kind and generous to me already. And every time we sing the song, Goodness of God in Church, my eyes tear up. You know the, the song that the chorus part goes, All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. You know, I have health, reasonable health. I have sufficient money to live reasonably and to give when I want to. I have an excellent wife. I have two adult children and young granddaughters, all whom I love and who love me. I'm really a blessed man. So how then should I respond to this question? But difficult as it may be to respond with anything other than thoughtless superficiality, you know, like, give me a better house, better car, better smartphone, Lord. You know, it's actually a good question to try and answer. It is a good thing to consider what is really important to me, what I value most, what I am lacking, what would give me the most peace, joy and satisfaction, what would best please the Lord to hear me ask. Hmm. These are all questions I find hard to answer. What about you? How would you answer? Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth is the Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, Truth Talks.